Are you a sneakerhead? Yeah, boy! A baller? Ballin'! Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready, because we got all the details right here. Nice take by James. Oh, he stops! LeBron James puts it down in the face of James Johnson. Kevin Durant way outside. Delivers! Kevin Durant from downtown. It's a six-point game. And it goes off to Kobe. Good to ride Kobe underneath. Puts his nose on the line again. Makes the basket. He's fouled. Oh, what a play. And Kobe, after he was fouled, after the ball nestled in the net, he waved to a cameraman down in front. Says, take my picture, baby. Sixers running the break. Iverson accelerating to the jam. It's kicks and bricks where we got game on the streets, and on the court. Money's gotta be the shoes. Shoes, shoes, shoes. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. And here's your host, Jamel Cutler. What up, what up? Welcome to Kicks. Joining me today is one of the stars of the hit show, Snowfall on FX, Jordan Coleman. What's up, my guy? How you doing? What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm all right. Before you got into acting, like you were mm-hmm. a football player, what position did you play? I played offensive tackle, left tackle. For those who don't know, like you talk about how big high school football is in Texas. It's everything. I mean, I'm from Humble, which is uh, just outside of Houston. So uh, we were one of those towns where you know, Friday night, everybody was at the games. I mean, it, it, like the uh, the more rural towns, it's like a okay. shut down the city. Literally, everybody's at the game. Now, it was a uh, it was a it was a place where, like you say, football was huge, and literally, all of my friends in high school played ball. Man, hell, everybody I knew since I was uh, like all the friends I made since six six years old were mostly football players. So, can you, you know. talk about some of like your favorite moments? On the uh, football turf, I miss the hitting more than anything. Just the uh, just the collisions and and I would say and just like the camaraderie, just you know, cracking jokes with your friends, you know, people being silly, being goofy, and all that stuff. Uh, one of my favorite moments wasn't even mine. Uh, one of my buddies, uh, there was an interception and. Uh, this dude is running back, you know, they're running from our end zone back to their end zone. And we're like, oh, man, interception. Oh, no. And one of my partners who was on the field, he just took off running. He was an offensive lineman. He took off running after the dude. And Buddy ends up running 99 yards, and the dude scored. But the whole time, my buddy's just trying to track him down. Like, he didn't catch him, but it was impressive to just see him run 99 yards to try and catch this dude that he wasn't going to catch. So just like little funny moments like that was just like, man, what is he doing? But, you know, we'll always remember that it's like when Davon took off down the field. Did you play all four years of high school or was it like? Yeah. Like yeah I played, no, no, I played all four years of high school and then uh, started acting my junior year. Did you have like a lot of college offers? Like, were you juggling? All right. I have football here on one end, acting here on the other end. Honestly, man, no. No, I didn't have a ton of college mm-hmm. offers. There was a school, uh, McPherson. They Wait, was it McPherson? I think it was McPherson in Kansas. They wanted me to come and play there. Um, and then like little junior college stuff like that. But as far as like a ton of offers out of college, out of high school, nah. Nah, man. Not really. 
So the switch that, was, was pretty easy. Is that when you decided, you know, that football wasn't in your future as far as, you know, pursuing it as a career? Coming out of high school, I still had aspirations to play ball and uh, thought about walking on to some, some teams and different things like that. I was going to U of H at the time, but it just didn't pan out the way that I wanted it to. And I started acting, like I said, my junior year of high school. And um, I started getting a lot more opportunities and, you know, with acting. So really like the the bug or whatever, uh, you know, how, how some people say, uh, that really bit me my junior year. And it was like, okay, dude, you're still trying to play ball, but I really think acting is the thing. So then I just I went with that. What was your transition like from the football gridiron to, you know, being on stage? Was it kind of the same because on fo- because with football, you know, mm-hmm. you're in front of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And if you're on stage, you're basically by yourself in front of an intimate select few of people. Yeah, it's crazy because like with both uh, football and either, you know, theater or uh, like improv, anything like that, it's a- I've never really noticed the crowd. So like when I'm playing ball, I would never look up in the stands or anything. Or if I'm on stage doing something or anything like that, even acting like in Snowfall, uh, I never notice anybody else around. It's usually just me and the people that I'm in a scene with. So that was uh, was interesting to see because it's like, OK, I never noticed the, the audience in either um, setting. But um, as far as switching from one to the other, man, it was really just like following a talent and a love. So it was kind of the same in those rights as well. Football was something, like I said, something I did since I was six years old. I love to do it with my you know, size and strength and things like that. It, it made it something that came natural to me and that I loved. But then when I made the switch to acting, again, it was something that came natural to me and I love doing it. And um, it, it, the transition was pretty smooth. I just had to decide to give it my all, like to give it 110%, you know, and just go at it. How did the discipline of football help you when you were like pursuing acting? Man, honestly, just work. Uh, with football, I mean, if you want to get better, you got to train, you have to lift, you know, eat right, things like that. It's a hell of a lot of that in acting. Like to be a good actor, you need to work. You need to go to your classes. You need to do um, little um, like extracurriculars, like improv. I feel like improv is a huge uh, part of it, just a way to keep your tools sharp and things like that. So the work ethic part of it, the uh, the never give up kind of part of it, is something that definitely helped me in acting that I took from sports. Mentally, which grind is hardest for you? The everyday grind of football or being on stage in a theater environment or even in a TV environment? Obviously, physically, football is harder. But um, the grind of acting, like, like I feel like I've always said it's kind of like um, the in-between, like booking gigs and things. Practice is the hard part with sports and with football. Then uh, the in-between, you know, booking gigs is the tough part with acting. Like once you get on stage, once you get in front of a camera, like that's what you do. Like for me, that's what I do. So whenever I'm on stage or I have seen partners that I'm actually, you know, working the gig that I book, that's the easy part. But like the in-between time when it's just you, when you're trying to figure out how to either market yourself or, you know, what can I do to get in front of people? What can I do to, to you know, put myself in the right position to book more roles? That, I would say, the mental aspect of that 
it's much harder than, than sports because you'll drive yourself yep. crazy. <laughs> As an up-and-coming actor, what is the everyday grind like? Because obviously, you know, you're not going to wake up and say, I'm an actor, and then next thing you know, you're on HBO on FX. Right. But like, yeah, so like you talking about what is the everyday grind like as far as paying your dues? As far as the everyday grind, man, I mean, you can. it's a few different routes you can take. I mean, I know a lot of people do like the, uh, like either like the time. And I mean, hell, it's a, a great way to make some money as well. Uh, if you get enough followers and, you know, influence and things like that. Um, if you're an actor that doesn't really take that route, it can be, like I say, a lot of downtime. And in that downtime, you either take classes, uh, you do improv, write sketches, like is usually what I do, and uh, figure out a way to get yourself out there even more so, you know, in between, you know, big gigs. When you moved to L.A., is that when things kind of picked up for you as far as yeah. acting gigs go? Honestly, man, that's when things really started. Um, the One of the only big things that I did in Houston was uh is a show called the placeholders which actually got me my sag eligibility so i did that and i was doing improv at comedy sports and besides those two things man that was really that was all i did in houston so when i came to la when i made the move to la that was when things really got started i uh, got an agent um i started booking commercials and things really got rolling once i made that jump almost eight years ago now what was that first major role for you that kind of, you know, got everybody's eyes on Jordan? It was Snowfall. I, okay, it, it's either A Million Little Things. I did a, a three-episode arc on A Million Little Things. Um, I was Kevin in that, which that got a lot of eyes on me. Like, that show being as big and as good as it is, uh, that got some eyes on me. But then as far as, like, an extended period of time where you could see me on TV, like, Snowfall is the biggest role that I've done and one that I feel like gives people a good sense of who I am and what I bring. When you go out for a role, like, do you look to be casted as a certain character or are you open to portraying different types of um, characters? My thing has always been, I'll do anything as long as I don't pick it. <laughs> I would have to see what the role is, you know, the project, things like that. So did any of your past roles help prepare you for Fatback on Snowfall? The things that really helped me the most were my improv background, uh, the comedic roles that I played uh, that helped me with the uh, the comedic side of Fatback. But then on the other side, with him being a gangster, really, um, like I pulled from the stories that I got from John and Smokey on set, uh, one of the producers, uh, the consultant producers, and one of John's friends, uh, twins stopped by, and they were all friends with Fatback, you know, as kids. So they could actually tell me what kind of dude he was. So I kind of just pulled things from those stories that they gave me and really made up who the character was. Oh, so Fatback was a real person. Can you like give us yeah. an insight on the real Fatback? As far as I know, uh, his name was Michael Winter. And uh, he was friends with John, really got John. Um, he helped John to uh, get into filmmaking from what John told me. And um, he, uh, well, so there was one more thing that was super important. Uh, he grew up with John and uh, helped him get into filmmaking and just was, uh, was, oh, he was actually who Doughboy is based off of from Boys in the Hood. So he's he's been a character that's been floating around in John's projects without us even knowing. So 
when I got the really the honor and the opportunity to play him, I was like, oh, I didn't know it ran this deep. But yeah, it was somebody that was close to John Menard. He knew from uh, from childhood coming up. So the real fatback, he passed away then, right? He did. Yeah, he did pass away, unfortunately. Can you talk about like your audition for Snowfall? What, what was that like? Was it like a high pressure situation for you or was it just, you know, Man, whatever? The audition itself was an audition. Like it wasn't nothing crazy. And uh, mm -hmm. it was weird because like I go to the audition. I do it. Afterwards, I had to go to work. I was working at a call center at the time. Afterwards, I got to go to work. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this audition. I'm going to go to work. Boom. That's, you know, that's that's the move. That's what happens. Go do it. It's fine. Uh, when I'm on my way out, cast the director's like, have I seen you before? I was like, nah, you, I don't think you have. Are you sure? Like, I really don't think so. And I'm um, like, and now I got to go to work. So I go to work. Get the call back. I go to really the set that we shoot at most times. Um, and I walk in the room. The very first person I see to my left is John. And he's just looking at me like, like not interested, not, oh, this may be the guy. It's just like, he's just looking at me. And I look at him, I'm like, that's John Singleton. Like he's sitting right there. So walk in, almost trip on like this real thick shag carpet they had in the room for some reason. I don't know why they was in there. Um, and then do my audition. I get into it, like all the nerves and stuff, they go away. I get into it. I do it. I get some laughs, different things like that. He's watching like he's locked the whole time. So I'm like, all right. So I did what I'm supposed to do. I did my part. We'll see what happens. And then um, that was it, man. Then from there, booked the role. And, and now it's in the, in the history books. Did you audition for for anyone else? Or was it, you know, just Fatback? Uh, no, just Fatback. Yeah, audition okay. and callback for Fatback. That was it. All right, so like you were introduced, I think it was season three. Like, yeah. what was some season of your three. notions about the show before you actually was on the show? Man, honestly, before I booked the show, I'd heard of it. I knew it was a thing, but I hadn't watched it. So once I booked it, I burned through the first two seasons, and immediately I got the sense of like, oh damn, okay, they they go for it on this show. Like, like it ain't no, we're not pulling no punches. Like there's it's not a hell of a lot left up to the imagination. Like you're gonna see it. Like what what we're what you think is going on, we're gonna show it to you. And it's raw. And I thought it was dope. And from watching those first two seasons, I was like, man, this is something that is crazy that I'm getting to be a part of it. It's it's uh it's an opportunity to be a part of the show. And um I just I felt good about it, man. From watching those first two seasons, I knew I was coming into something good and I wanted to lend you know my abilities and bring you know what i do to the table behind the scenes like what were some of your favorite memories of um working on the show whether it's be like filming or you know at the premiere or at a um or at a party or something the two rap parties i went to were cool they were really cool um we went uh, like the uh the premiere of season three that was dope uh when we finished up uh, when we actually finished the entire season, we, it, was, it was another party that was really cool. Um, really, honestly, man, my first day, I'll never forget just seeing how big uh, the family aspect was with the whole cast and crew. Like, and it was somewhat intimidating at first, just coming in and seeing like, oh, these people, it's not just a come to work and nobody knows anybody kind of thing. Oh, I'll be in my trailer. Like, they were all cool. Like people will come up and ask about people's kids and, oh, you know, how your mama doing kind of thing. 
And like, that was the dopest part to me, like to see how big, like how close knit everybody was. So that was, that was my favorite part, man. And it definitely carried through as I started to shoot more and got to know people, like, you know, people got closer and, you know, just talking and, you know, just conversing. It was dope. What was it like working with Isaiah and Damson and the rest yeah. of the crew? It was cool, man. Just all professionals, uh, everybody knowing what they're doing and everybody bringing something different, but something like bringing something to their character. Like everybody had an idea or like a, a strong idea of who their characters were, what they wanted, like what they were after. And it was it was just dope to watch, man. And like seeing from the first two seasons, like how much was already established and like how built characters already were. But to go into season three and then season four, it was just up in the ante again and again, like on who these characters were, what their motivations were. And it was just really cool to watch people do that, man. Everybody, like you say, uh, Isaiah, Damson, uh, Eamon, everybody, man. Did you find it challenging to, you know, play basically a killer being as you're like basically a nice dude? Like, did you find it hard to do that? Nah, man. Nah. It was cool. Uh, it was cool to do. Honestly, it was something very different from what I had done. Like I said before, it, I did a lot of comedic roles. So um, it was cool to play somebody so different to, you know, like, yeah, he smiles sometimes, but 85% of the time he's dropping the smile and he's getting, he's, he's getting the business. Like, it's not a lot of joking around. Like, there's some, but there's not a hell of a lot of joking around. And um, he's like a no-nonsense kind of dude, man. So it was cool um, to do something different like that. Were there any scenes for you that was hard for you to film? I feel like this goes without saying, but like the the death scene at the end, it was weird. It wasn't hard to do. It was weird because like you go in and you go in the hair and makeup and we have like the special effects makeup and the blood and the this and the that. And they're putting on like gunshot wounds, not gunshot wounds, but stab wounds and like cigarette burns and stuff like that. And like, you know, this is in preparation for the death of your character. But for me, it was also weird because this was the first time I'd ever I'd ever died on anything. So it was cool for me, but also it was bittersweet because it's like, oh, but wait, I won't be back on the show. But this is also really cool because all the special effects makeup. So that was weird. But uh, there were no scenes for me that were like hard, like none of them were like hard to do or hard to get into or anything like that. You know, how short... Um, how short of a notice do they give you before the writers kill off your character? Man, I got notified, I believe, three episodes before it happened. I got the call and it was just like, like, huh, I don't even get a call from this number. And I pick it up and it's uh, the a head writer and producer, Dave, called me and was like, Hey, man. And I was like, oh, shit, I know what this is. I know what this is. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was probably about three episodes, three, four episodes before. You know, would you compare, like, getting killed off a show to, like, cut day in football? Yeah, I would say it's, it's crazier because it's like if you compare it to cut day, it would have to be, like, in the middle of the season. Like, you already played, like, seven games. Oh. And then they're like, hey, man, you got to go. It's like, wait, but wait. No, you're a really good football player. We love you, but we got to let you go. So it's 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 the same if, if you, you know, wanted to uh, compare the two. It would have to be like that because I was already on the team. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't like I was trying to make the squad. Like, I was on the team. But, uh, yeah, I would think, I would think things, they, they feel somewhat similar, yeah. <laughs> From a writing standpoint, you know, what was it like working with John while he was here? Oh, man, it was crazy. Because, like, like I say, it's John Singleton. And like as a young black kid, like, you know, you come up watching, like I said, Boys in the Hood from before and like you like Baby Boy, all these movies. And it's like, OK, yeah, I know. Yeah. John Singleton made this movie. OK, cool. But then when you walk in a room with him or you walk on set with him every day, because he was literally on set every day. So it was crazy. Like, wait, the movies that I've seen, that dude is right here. So like to, to come to work and like have him really be a co-worker. It was the same, bro. It was, it was so much game, so much knowledge that he gave out. Uh, he would literally sit um, in, in like the producers, um, like the playback area, and he'd be sitting there. He'd watch it. He'd watch the rehearsals. He'd watch the rehearsals, and every once in a while, he'd lean over and be like, that's it. That's the scene right there. Like, he, like him being there and really, like I say, giving out so much game, it was nuts, bro. It was nuts. It was a hell of an honor. It was a privilege just to be around him, man. Did the show change any when um, John passed away from a writing standpoint? For sure. Uh, I mean, well, the show, not, not just writing. I mean, um, as far as I know, he was in the writer's room all the time as well. Um, it was really something that he he took up. Like, it was it was his show. So, like, he was heavily involved. Um, as far as writing, um, I, I think him not being there every day definitely, you know, it changes things, especially, you know, somebody being as hands-on as they are. Uh, excuse me, I can say that from an acting standpoint and just like the uh, tone of the set, it changed tremendously, man. Uh, not having him there, uh, even before he passed, when he was in the hospital, like there was, you could feel it. Like you knew the energy was different. You knew like people were pulling for him, hoping he was all right, things like that. But um, it, it, it definitely was something that kind of fell over the set and the production when John went down and then, you know, eventually passed, like it was, uh, the energy was way different. One thing I like about Snowfall is how authentic the show is from an aesthetic point of view, from the cars to the sneakers to the clothes. Like, what were some of your favorite wardrobe pieces from the show? Ah, uh, man, the wardrobe piece. I like the jackets the most, man. Like, we wore some cool jackets. Like, uh, I had this jean jacket that was fire. The like uh, classic Reeboks that I was wearing, those were dope, pretty comfortable. Uh, and I had a, uh, it was just supposed to look like a regular sweatsuit. But in that last episode, I had on a sweatsuit. I was like, man, this is dope. I like this. So yeah, like little stuff like that. Like like they would take things from now and then you know try to make them look like late eighties, early nineties. Like mm-hmm. those those fire. At any point while you was on Snowfall, have you ever been in a situation where like an overjealous fan? like ran up on you and like basically you know was acting like snowfall is real life <laughs> nah bro we uh man, did we ever come close uh we were in pacoima one time shooting at these projects and some cats ran up and they were just asking a lot of questions and stuff and uh that was the that was the closest we came but they came in kind of hot like hey man what y'all doing and like we're like, oh, we're shooting uh we're shooting a show. Like, man, what movie is it? It's like it's it's a show. Hey, can we be in the movie? Hey, bro, it's a show. Like, nah. Like, that was the only thing, but it was never anything like, you know, snowfall, like, oh, y'all trying to be gangster or anything like that. It wasn't nothing like that. 
Earlier, I read that Franklin Saint is based off the real Rick Ross. You know how true that is? I've heard that as well, but I've never gotten any hard facts on that. I have no idea. I have no idea. He was one of the first crack kingpins in L.A. He worked with the CIA, so I can Facts. see the con- so I can see the connection. Yeah, I can see how people like put those the like the two and two together. But as far as it like like getting the thumbs up, like no, like I've never gotten it, so I honestly don't know, man. You know, has um has Freeway ever collaborated with the show? Any like the best to your knowledge? Not that I've known. Uh, not that I've known. The only thing that I ever really heard about him, like, like the only thing I've ever heard him say about the show was kind of like down in it. Like he didn't think it was dope or like, oh, they should have talked to me or something like that. But as far as like him, like collaborating or wanting to be a part of it, I've never heard that. I mean, so like from your point of view, like, like how did the crack era, you know, affect the black community in the um, late 80s? going into the 90s i mean honestly man uh, the show depicts it all dude like it was an epidemic it was crazy like it came down and it hit like the way that it hit neighborhoods and families and different things like that it was undeniable that it was something that ran through our communities and just drug us down dude so Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i like i was born in 88 so it wasn't something that i saw and like that i you know could actually give firsthand knowledge on but from like the the history that I've seen and through shows as uh, as vivid and as detail oriented as Snowfall, you can see that it's something that 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 really hit us in the mouth, man. As, as a black community, you know, when I seen Melanie smoking that pipe, you know, that yeah. really broke my heart. I was like, anybody but her, please. Man, she had so much promise too, bro. Like it was so much promise she was going. And it's like it's like the the hood story that you always hear. Like, man, now nah, she was going to college, man. But yeah, when she hit the pipe, bro, it got to her. Have you guys like received any criticism based on the show? Because it's exploiting real life. It's exploiting the drug problems that our community have faced. Me, I can only speak for myself. I've never gotten any backlash or criticism on that particularly everything that i've ever heard from the show or any feedback that i've gotten from people on the show has been positive man and like uh that we're actually showing some of what really happened so yeah only all i've gotten is positive right. feedback from so far and also have you guys like gotten any flack from law enforcement because you're basically exposing you know the cia role in distributing drugs in the black community and you guys weren't the first to say yeah. it but but now it's like the most prominent because it's the most popular thing that's out right now. Yeah, nah, man. I've never heard anything from, again, me personally, I've never heard anything uh, from like Mm -hmm. law enforcement or like any, I mean, hell, I don't think anybody from the CIA has contacted me, but I mean, I guess I wouldn't (laughs) know if they had. But uh, yeah, I mean, nah, but I've never got anything like that. And also like there were so many laws that were targeted at crack users and, um, and and it gave the crack users more time like than mm-hmm. somebody that was doing you know cocaine even though right. chemically they're the same thing like it's what do you think thing. about um like what do you think about the crack related laws that were brought into the forefront in the late 80s and early 90s i think it was wild 
because like you say crack and cocaine are basically the same thing like it's the same product being took to make you know both of them like you know crack is made from cocaine so um i think it was insane like you're basically like you say you're getting more time for basically the same drug so it it is heartbreaking because like you like you're you're seeing our people being penalized more harshly than others but you know i guess i guess that just went with the times like if there was if it was something that put that was put into our communities like i i that it makes sense kind of going back to snowfall a little bit mm-hmm. do you think that these same laws will be on um, franklin's downfall going into future seasons i don't know man honestly like it, it's it's hard to gauge it because you may think that like okay the harsher sentencing and things like that on crack that may be something that gets frank but he's also working with the cia so if it feels like to me as long as he's doing what teddy wants him to do and he's helping teddy and like making the money for him that he needs him to make he'll be around that's what i think but as we've seen with other movies and you know from stories and history things like that once the cia doesn't need you anymore you're you're gone so i feel like as long as teddy needs franklin he's fine but if it gets to a point where he doesn't then the tables might turn though the shoe might drop as they say back then they had the crack era and now we have kind of another epidemic with the pills Mm -hmm. and and the opioids. What can the rappers of today learn from the crack era? Because you know, there's, because there's so many rappers now that's dying of you know, of drug of drug overdoses. Yeah, I mean, hell, honestly, man, I don't, I really don't even know what they can learn from then. Uh, I would say if you can avoid it, do that because I feel like that ain't mm-hmm. the life you want to live. But like other than that, I don't know too many lessons that, you know, like parallel uh, both, you know, crack back then and then like the current drug situation that we face today. But I would say, hey, like I say, if you can avoid it, you don't want to live that life, bro. Don't do that. The crack era, it it gave us like so much destruction. But at the same time, you know, mm-hmm. it crafted some of the best music and some of the best movies of an entire Facts. generation. Like what are Facts. some movies that you like? that's kind of centered around the um, crack trade? Oh, man. I mean, New Jack City, of course. Uh, I would say New Jack City. Uh, They talk a little bit about it in Boys in the Hood. I love Boys in the Hood. Um, Let me see. Uh, This movie is about cocaine, but Blow. Blow was dope. Um, I would have to say those if I had to to pick a few out of a, a you know just out of the air i'll say those for sure and who do you think is more ruthless um franklin saint or nino brown oh I, okay i would say honestly with the years that he had in nino brown because mm-hmm. like nino had really grown to a point where he could be like like he could be as ruthless as he was like i feel like uh-huh. franklin is very much still in his infancy and like very much you know still not learning the ropes but like really finding out who he is in these situations. So I would say Nino Brown, man, because Nino Brown's, his effort level had got to a point where it was just like, I don't, I don't give a shit no more. And from a muscle standpoint, um, like yeah. which, like, like which crew do you think is um, like more ruthless? You have, um, you have Franklin St. Cruz from Snowfall uh-huh. 
right. or you have uh, Marlo Stanfield's crew from the wire because Marlo's crew, he was just racking up bodies for no reason. Big facts. Big facts. Ooh, I mean, either Marlo or Franklin. Man, I feel like it was a lot of kids. It was like kids and Marlo's, like the kids that were running the, uh, the projects, like sitting on the couch and all that stuff. Like there was a lot of youngsters in that group, man. So I'm going with Snowfall. I'm going with Franklin's group, man. I'm going with uh mm-hmm. with Leon, uh, myself, Uncle Jerome, Peaches. I'm I'm going with them. Louis. <laughs> All right, and um Kingpin wise, like how about Ghosts from Power, Ooh. um, Franklin or uh-huh. Avon from The Wire? I love the business aspect of Ghosts, like because Ghosts really seemed like he had it all together. I mean, he had an elevator. Uh, going up to his house, that was his front door. That's like that's got to be, that's got to be uh, thrown in there. That's that's a stunt right there. Um, uh, I honestly, it would have to go down to like the right hand men for me, and Tommy versus Leon. I'm gonna take Leon, bro. So I'm gonna go with Franklin again. Oh wow! Yeah, I thought you was gonna go the other way with that one. Oh, for real. You yeah. take Tommy over over Leon? Uh yeah, I would. Okay. Okay. Bye. Right. <laughs> I feel you. I, I wouldn't trust neither one of them, but if I had to, I would. I mean, honestly. Honestly. <laughs> the only thing that takes Tommy out of it for me is like he did drugs, man. Like he had some stuff that he was addicted to. So like oh, with yeah, that's Leon, true. yeah, with Leon, really his only downfall is he got a short fuse, man. He got a short fuse. He wants to be respected. But those are all things to me that are understandable. But if you got, you know, if, if you're a little drug addicted, bro, and you're weak for females, like, I don't <laughs> know if I can trust you, man. And that's it. Those females will bring you down every time. In, in these shows, it seems like that's always the thing. Do you think shows like The Wire set the blueprint for shows like Snowfall and Power? Honestly, man, The Wire is a... Uh, it's 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 really like you say yeah they they set the tone it's a show that definitely set the tone not only with the uh with like the vernacular giving you like the wording and like how these shows go how people talk in these settings things like that but really like the grit that's involved with them and like how grimy and how dangerous things can get and uh i feel like the uh the view that they give you uh, not only from the street standpoint, but like of the like law enforcement standpoint, um, they they definitely show you both sides of it. And I feel like The Wire is one of the best shows ever at doing that. So I feel like we uh, like you can't help but pay homage to shows like that. You know, why do you think these shows resonate so much with the audience? Honestly, because it, they're stories that people want to hear. Uh, there's stories that people want to feel like they're involved with and week in and week out, they can come to and gain a little bit more knowledge on what actually happened. And when you have such compelling characters, you know, uh, such as Franklin and, uh, you know, Uncle Jerome, Louis, Leon, you know, for a short time, Fatback, like Teddy, you want to come back and see these characters that you've grown to love. Like even when, like you know, when they do cool stuff, when they do stupid stuff, oh, Franklin, why would you do that? This and that. Like you want to come back and get just a little bit more history and a little bit more knowledge of what happened back then, because we all know about crack in the '80s. 
we all know you know what it did to Los Angeles. You can go Google that or whatever. But to see something every week that you know has a little fiction mixed in, but to get a little bit of that knowledge and a little bit of those stories, I think people are interested in that, man. All right, man. So before we go, we we yeah. have to talk hoops. And earlier you said you oh, like yeah. the Lakers and LeBron. Um, what do you want to see for them this upcoming season? For LeBron, man, I guess just a championship. I, you know, that's always the the goal every year from you know, what uh, ball players say. But I just want him to jail. I don't. I want it to be as few injuries as possible, especially with Anthony Davis. Like he's amazing. He's a great player, but he he gets hurt. He gets hurt. Mm-hmm. So if uh, you know, with the with the age that they have on the squad, and uh, with some of the uh, injury prone players that they have i just want everybody to be healthy and honestly if they all stay healthy i don't see them not winning a championship so health i would say is the number one thing you know me personally i want the lakers to win so i can see my guy Melo finally get a ring yes sir for sure Mm. for sure hey man and as much juice as Melo still has man i i can't help but think he's gonna be a huge part of it if the if and when they go And like you said, Anthony Davis, he's never healthy. So, like, who's to say, you know, AD might be out in a playoff series you know? and, and you know, Melo might be able to step in and, you know, take his hey, place on the on For the offense, sure. At, at That'd be dope. That'd be dope. And do you think um, Bron and, um, and Westbrook can coexist together on the same team? Man, if I'm being honest, I really think LeBron can play with anybody. I honestly think LeBron could get on court with anybody and make it work. And I feel like Russell Westbrook is easy to play with, man, especially for like a player, like I say, of LeBron's caliber. Like, I feel like they're going to gel immediately. Like, because I feel like Russ is very straightforward with what he's after, with what he's trying to do. I feel like they all want to win. So, yeah, I think they're going to be fine, honestly. If the game is on the line, who's taking the last shot, LeBron or Westbrook? If the game is on the line, I just can't uh, see um, Westbrook giving up the ball. That's the thing. That's the thing. I don't see him giving up the ball either. Uh, if LeBron has it and it's a good shot, I think he'll take it. But if Russ is open, you know LeBron's going to pass it. I feel like LeBron is always looking for the best play. All right, man. So before we go, I like to play a game like start, bench, cut. Okay. And like I'll give you three things and you tell me if you're going to start it, bench it, or cut it. Gotcha. Since we're um, still talking about the Lakers, uh-huh. I want to go with all-time Laker greats. Okay. So we got start bench cut. Uh-huh. Kobe. Ooh. Magic. Uh-huh. LeBron. Of course, we're gonna start Magic Johnson. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna bench LeBron James. And I'm gonna say it. I don't care what the internet says, I'm cutting Kobe <laughs> Bryant. Rest in peace. Well, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a no R-I-P win, bro. You can't win. Right? You can't win. Don't um, don't check your mentions. That's oh, all I gotta no. say. I can't go outside now. <laughs> so we'll do um, start bench cut for the Houston okay. Rockets, your hometown okay. team. All right. We have one of my favorite players, Kevin Porter Jr. Okay. I think he's one of the brightest stars in the league. We got right. John Wall. Okay. And um, let's see, James Harden. Since he left, I'm cutting James Harden. Benching Kevin Porter Jr., I'm going to start John Wall. All right, so now we're going to do TV shows. Got you, got you. 
All right, we got Snowfall, of course, The okay. Wire, and Power. Ooh, uh, I'm gonna start Snowfall. I'm mm-hmm. gonna cut Power, and I'm gonna bench The Wire. Got to go with All the right. hometown team. Two seasons in. All right, and the last one we have the kingpins from the show. We have Franklin. Okay. We have Ghosts, mm-hmm. and we have um, Avon. Man, now see, I'm gonna mix it up. I'm gonna start Franklin. I'm going cut ghosts and bench Avon. I like Avon. Avon was a real one. He was. He was. But see, the only it's it's kind of like he had some not so smart people around him, man. I feel like him, if it was it was a team full of Avons, he would have been fine. But you know, you gotta trust other people. You know, and recently I just saw that the real Avon recently passed away. So, you know, RIP to Oh, him. really? Yeah, for yeah. sure, man. Rest in peace. All right, man. So I want to thank you for joining me today. You know, I really enjoyed this conversation about Snowfall, about the crack era, the Lakers. Are you currently working on any upcoming projects? I just shot a uh, small role for a show called Bust Down on Peacock. So that'll be on streaming services. I'm currently on a show called Physical on Apple Plus. And uh, other than that, man, just chasing the next big gig. All right, man. And I definitely hope that you get it, man. Thank you, man. Thank you, bro. I really appreciate it, man. And thank you for having me.